Bear Nation, how we doing? This is your host, Rob Napoli, and you are tuning in to another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with entrepreneurs, ecosystem partners, and innovation folks to talk about what it takes to launch, create, and scale businesses across the world. So I'm really excited to talk about those five years, almost five years now. Doug, yeah. Wow. <laughs> those five years and how we've, how it's found product market fit. Um, but also it's really more important is those, the listeners of this show that hear the intro every week, we talk about how we give back to the communities we serve with Finn. So Finn is a social good platform that businesses use uh, to drive employee engagement and give back. In fact, every episode of Bare Necessities, I donate $10 to a charity of choosing by our podcast guest. Uh, I, I believe in Finn that much. So that's why I'm excited to have Doug on to talk about, you know, the impact of what social good is and what we can do to serve our communities um, as we move forward into the future, especially at a personal but a business level. For many of us, we think philanthropy is just something we do on the side when we can give a little or if we make enough money that we can give a lot. When there's a whole piece of corporate social responsibility, corporate philanthropy in every stage of life or business and the employee engagement cycle in the future of work, where we can give back and little things, $5 here, $10 here, a little campaign here, um, a, um, a fun program there. Those things add up versus the big million dollar donation you see a big corporation. So now I'm dragging this intro on, but I'm passionate about what Finn does. It's why I wanted to have Finn on the podcast. It's why I teamed up with Finn. They were my first call when I launched this podcast, because this podcast is about the bare necessities of entrepreneurship and what entrepreneurship is, but it's also about giving back to the communities that these entrepreneurs serve. And that means global. And that's what I love about Finn is there's global charities on there doing amazing things. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our <laughs> guest, Doug. Doug has spent nearly 30 years uh, with the best team helping build Firebrand Technologies. It's a software and services company for book publishers. Um, <clears throat> during an ideal moment of transition, Doug decided to take the experience he had to really create real social impact, uniting sponsored donations to connect great companies, their people, and their causes to truly make a difference. Hey, Bear Nation. Uh, yeah, it's great to be on. Thank you, Rob, for having me. I'm a, I'm a big part of the Bear Nation, having listened to the podcast that have been released so far and having worked with Rob for so long and watched the uh, Bear, you know, Bear Necessities podcast and Bear Nation being born. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Thanks, Rob. We spent a number of years building software, building services, building great things. Talk a little bit about why you got into that, but then I want to know what you know, what was this ideal period of transition that led you into this crazy world of entrepreneurship and why starting a business? And that's a loaded question, so we don't have to answer it all at once, but like, that's what I want to get to out of this. So talk about your experiences of life before entrepreneurship and what that ideal moment looked like, a transition. Yeah, I'd be happy to. In fact, you know, I think most of my career, I've been an entrepreneur um, as a partner in Firebrand. And um, I can tell you quickly about the story about Firebrand, but the interesting, most interesting thing is in terms of being an entrepreneur is when you're in a company like Firebrand that's so well run and uh, and is so forward thinking, uh, you know, er even every couple of years we're inventing new services and new businesses and reinventing the business itself, uh, which is very entrepreneurial. Um, so the backstory there is 
I uh, graduated in from college 1990, went home for Thanksgiving after working, um, having worked at uh, Anderson Consulting way back in the day, went home for Thanksgiving and my sister, Susie, says to me, you got you to gotta come talk to um, the founder of this new company I'm working for. Uh, you know, we're doing these, in, these incredible new business applications on Windows. You remember Windows back then, you're probably buying a mouse separately. Uh, and uh, you really should come talk to him. So I'm having a great time at Anderson, and my sister Susie says, you got to come join us. And so I went and interviewed with uh, Fran Tulin, who's my mentor and good friend. And uh, the rest is history. Uh, Fran is the founder of Firebrand. Uh, my sister Susie was a partner. I was a partner. And we spent 30 years um, building that company. Uh, it was a technology company with services, um, real deep technology around book publishing and eBooks and and marketing information. Um, and what I took from that experience was uh, what it takes to run a really good company. You know, to be purpose driven before purpose driven was a thing, um, and how to take care of people. And Fran really set the the bar for that very high. Um, and so I took that queue uh, when it was time to uh, start all over. So that's kind of the brief story of, uh, of Firebrand. But I kind of played all roles there. I started as a developer, so I was dangerous in that respect. Uh, I was a project manager and client relationship manager. And then for the last, oh, I guess about 10 years of my tenure at Firebrand, I ran the company as president. Um, and, uh, and then, as you said, there was a moment of transition, so I can talk about that when you're ready. But that's the, the backstory of, Fire, uh, backstory of uh, Firebrand. Yeah, so I mean, you were in consulting, doing all these fun things, and basically your sister just said, "Hey, you got to do this," and it just felt right, right? We talked a little bit about purpose driven before. Purpose driven was a thing. So tell me a little about what did Firebrand do so well that made you feel so comfortable and feel that there was purpose to what you were doing outside of outside of the work that was being done. Yeah, so I mean, a few things. I mean. I think primarily goes back to the voice of the founder, who was uh, Fran Tulin. And he showed us very early on that his people mattered more to him than anything else. Um, and we always took care of the customer. And before it was the thing, we were um, donating money to specific causes, some causes like Mission of Hope Haiti that we still support today. Um, be again, before it was in vogue. And, um, and that was just all done quietly. And, and that was sort of the baseline of, of me understanding what it took to um, build a team, build a company based on pure fundamental values of doing the right thing by people and customer, um, and then all the good stuff will follow. Um, you know, we would very often make decisions that, you know, might not have led us to the most profit or revenue, um, but always um, seem to keep, you know, guiding us towards our North Star of building a great company with great people. Love that. I mean, and that's that's super important, right? It's always guiding to that North Star, but also when you're building a company and you're building something, you know, whether it's a a million dollar company, a couple million dollar company, or a unicorn, right? You have a little bit of a obligation to to have purpose, and right when you when you start a company, the company is to this higher being of like what the company needs to be growing the business, right? There's that side of it. In that journey of making those decisions, where does impact really happen? Where do you have the means, the opportunity and a bit of the, the kind of social responsibility to give back to the people that serve you. So your employees. Yeah. 
the customers that you serve, your customers, the communities, where everybody kind of comes in. So it sounds like, you know, this idea of those three pieces of serving these different groups came from an early stage of your life and has, has have made a huge impact on creating that team. So I love, love how that story is developed and that you, you took those, me- those key things away from your mentor and, 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 you know, the founder of a firebrand. So you hit this period of transition. What, what was that about? Let's talk about that for a second. Like what, what kind of came to leaving firebrand and starting to look at the transition stage of Doug's life? Yes. I mean, I grew up in Firebrand, right? This was my family. I'm still close with the people I worked with there. Um, Still my family in many ways. Um, And I think that that moment of transition was our success, quite honestly. Um, I mean, we fought for everything that we earned, um, but but it was like steering a ship that was working. Um, So as we started to, you know, kind of fall into these patterns of being able to, you know, keep turning out business, turning out, you know, decent years, keep taking care of people. Um, I realized that I'm steering a ship and that for my own personal growth, I needed to start all the way from the very beginning again. Um, I didn't even know what I had learned over 30 years. And I don't think you can necessarily unpack that until you've disconnected from it. So in a moment of inspiration, Fran suggested that I take a, a working sabbatical, a research sabbatical from, from, from Firebrand for, you know, six months. Uh, I was like, you know, go, let's just, you know, go back, uh, go back to coding. Um, so I started developing smart, smart contracts in Ethereum and doing blockchain and experimenting with AI. And, um, and that was sort of this moment of transition where I had this freedom that either Fran and my team granted me to, to learn a little bit more about what I uh, had learned at Firebrand and what I innately knew and what I could do um, going forward to uh, the next stage of my career. So ultimately, that ended. That sabbatical ended in me creating Finn with Fran and my sister Susie as partners um, to kind of take on the next generation, independent of Firebrand, um, in many ways, but um, still harkening back to the roots and values that uh, uh, and team building that we that we had at Firebrand. So I actually left my officially left my operational positions um, and then started Finn. And subsequently, Firebrand was recently acquired. Uh, by a Japanese uh, media company called MediaDo, wonderful company, uh, great North American um, CEO, um, and so Firebrand lives on in a whole different way, which is really exciting. Um, that acquisition uh, kind of kind of gave me a full stop on my ownership of the company, um, if not my uh, my connections um, in heart and practice. So, um, so that was where that came from. I love that. So, I mean. You know, you helped build this company that's since been acquired in the midst of all this, taking a sabbatical. So having, you know, a true adult vacation yeah. after what, 30 years of, of building. And, you know, this idea came to to start Finn. So what was the, you know, impetus behind Finn? Like why Finn? Ta- let's talk about that. Like what, yeah. what, what, what was it about Finn? And creating this business that I, I mean, really I know it. the exact moment. Um, I've got it. Um, I've got it right here. I've got my original sketch. Actually, it's right here. This was a 4 a.m. brainstorm of what Finn is today. This was done um, right around the time you and I met, sometime in you know 2018 or whatever, 17. I've lost track. Um, and I took a I took a ride on my Jeep on the beach one day just to just to kind of write and think about what I wanted to do. 
And I took my cues from everything I I learned and been a part of at Firebrand in terms of being purpose driven and taking care of team and um, and married that with the inspiration I got from my three daughters. So I have three Gen Z daughters that were doing remarkable things. I mean, I'll never forget the moment when my my 18 year old um, she might have been yeah probably 18 called me up and said, Dad, I'm going to Africa this summer, um, and I'm going to teach women how to create clean water businesses. Uh, bear in mind, she didn't say. <clears throat> Dad, can I go to Africa? It was, Dad, I'm going to Africa. And and that followed on with my other daughter doing coral restoration and, and coral research. And so that was really my inspiration for, you know, recognizing that I had a lot to give and creating Finn. So Finn was born, um, P-H-I-N, to be perfectly clear. It's a, uh, it's a short version of philanthropy, which is a hell of a word to say all the time. Um, and so we created Finn around the, the simple concept that, um, companies can be really great, and they can be great by giving back. Um, it's not it's not something they should have to do. Um, it's something they should do, um, not just because it's right, but because it's great for business as well. I mean, what better way to weave you know really long term success into a business than to be you know decidedly built in a DNA, purpose driven, and and giving as much as they get. Um, and so my whole my whole point around Finn started through. The token concepts in blockchain and and so the democratization of that um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain provided um, and finding a way to unlock value for companies. And the main thing that we've hit upon is helping build teams through employee engagement. So companies funding donations and then offering them to their employees in all sorts of different ways. Maybe it's after a first interview. Maybe it's first day. Maybe it's when a team hits a major milestone or the company hits a major milestone, celebrating those moments, but but by doing it um, in a way that also supports their community, either local or global. So a lot to unpack there. (laughs) Um, That's pretty typical of me. I apologize. (laughs) No worries. You know, because because we're going to go back in a minute and I think maybe explain a little bit what Finn is as a platform. Uh, for the folks listening in and tuning in. But I kind of want to take a step back first about um, starting this business, right? So th- so if if those that were listening kind of caught all that, the sabbatical is really important. And the fact that Doug got to go back to his coding skills, right? So he got to go back and started looking at um, blockchain, Ethereum, these things. And the early iteration was, you know, fan of, of kind of like tokenization of this stuff. So kind of you kind of see where this stuff come together from an, from something that was passion to wanting to do to you know your daughter stepping up and saying hey I'm going to Africa to teach women how to create clean water yeah you know um, and then your other daughter getting a part of coral restoration right realizing hey got to make an impact and <laughs> if this is something that your daughters are passionate about. Firebrand is passionate about had always driven you in a purpose way. Why not build the company around it? So you had it kind of hitting you in the face from all angles of just in the DNA of who you were, the companies that you built, and the family that you built. Right? I mean, having a big influence on your daughters. Yeah. And 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 likewise, having your daughters having a big influence back on you of like, hey, if you're going to run Absolutely. a company, give back. You know, and and what are you doing to? To, to to all these things you talk about and have lived for 30 years, what are you going to do about it? You know, it's kind of almost a challenge in its own <laughs> own way, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Like, let's get going. 
Yeah. So, so, you know, I love hearing that. And I think that there's so much to kind of break out of that because we talk a lot about, you know, the bare necessities of entrepreneurship and, and millennials and Gen Z and where they work and where they spend the dollars where you know, as a millennial, where I work and what I want to spend my dollars on, it's giving back its purpose. It's making an impact. And that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Right. So I think it's really important to say, Hey, we talk about purpose and impact that means very different things to very different people. And that's okay. But in the context here, it's purpose and impact of creating better teams, right? Employee engagement, yeah. which is even stronger now when we think about the future of work and a hybrid involvement. Right. Right. That's right. Especially as Gen Z, even it's scary as Gen Z now enters the workforce. The older Gen Zs are 23. So they're, they're 23, working. 24. Like, yeah, that's right. Like we're, we're seeing them in, in, in the workforce now. And something that's happening is so that impact is coming. Um, and if it's a, if it hasn't been felt, it's going to be felt real soon, right? And so when we build, way we look at that is going to change. It happens every generation, every decade, every five years, right? And 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 we're in this transition after twenty twenty hybrid work, remote work, future of work got even bigger. And these were conversations, you know, that we were having at Finn you and I, before all this happened of employee engagement and where this is hitting. That's right. So yeah. it's important. And, and we're going to dig into the the impact piece and a lot here. But I want to just quickly talk about what Finn base level is today, right? Finn, P-H-I-N, short for philanthropy. Um, also, the logo has a special meaning. Um, you being out on Long Island and living on the beach, I think that there's something there to that. Um, so why don't you just talk a little bit about, um, you know, what is Finn as a base level company and platform? Yeah. So first of all, the dogs are downstairs and the truck just pulled up. So there you go. Um, but I've been, I've been working in this uh, loft remotely for 20 some odd years. So I'm, I'm pretty used to it. <laughs> so Finn is a platform is think of it as, you know, a, a platform that helps companies build great culture and engage their teams. Um, from a technical standpoint, uh, you know, it's a platform that enables companies to create funds of donations and then offer those um, either directly via our Slack app or via email or in person or through barcodes to their employees or their community to allow them to redeem those, those uh, donations and then select the costs. So from a technical standpoint, we manage all of that, uh, you know, that transaction, uh, managing the the accounts, the donation funds. Uh, and so that's what the platform does. But conceptually, what we're doing is is helping companies build into their DNA um, by weaving their message of purpose and their values into the employee experience and the team building experience from day one all the way through. So um, as I kind of mentioned quickly before, if you think about um, going to a company and recruiting, either by Zoom or otherwise, um, and at the end of that, you know, hey, Thanks so much for for spending the time with us today. Thanks for you know doing that interview. You know this is what we're about and whatever we're about that mission. And here's twenty dollars. There's six causes um, that represent who we are as a company, and we invite you to go um, and choose a cause. It's our money. We're paying you. Choose the cause. So it's a sense of empowerment that we're giving um, to those employees and those team members to be able to have a voice. Um, in the philanthropy and understand and learn about the mission um, and values of, of that company through that experience. Uh, 
And then in return, and in return, those people tell you what they care about. If you've given them six causes that include, you know, climate and saving puppies and, and, and feeding those that are hungry, um, they'll tell you what they care about. And so it's, it's kind of a two way street as well. Yeah. Well, one for that, for that side of things, they tell you what they care about, but it also allows you to make bigger impact. Right. So then you can continue to be more specific in your corporate social responsibility, which is a big deal for, you know, big companies or their philanthropy arms is, you know, doing different events. Cause the, you know, if you're going to run an event, you know, I remember one of the companies I used to work for, I always did like workout for a cause yeah. because you know, everyone like you literally get 60 people because of the 220 people there over half of them like if it's a donated dual donate money to go do a workout for a cause because that's fun to <laughs> to the organization yeah um true. you know that's not every organization but that was our organization at the time and so i was always doing workout class and of course i was going to donate to go get my ass kicked and go work out at berries or do <laughs> you know some boot camp thing that you know i would always be like wait why am i paying to do this oh yeah for a good cause right plus i'm getting a good workout and then like do it with like 60 other people. So I'm going through this not alone. Um, but what I thought was cool is just think about a company who does that through the recruitment process, right? Even if it's five bucks, then you recruit 20 roles a year. And for 20 roles, you interview 50 different people a piece, a couple thousand dollars. But think about what that means for those that interviewed for your company. You know, I interviewed for this awesome company. Maybe it wasn't the right fit for me or I wasn't the right fit for them, but I always remember that they gave me an opportunity to donate and they paid for it. So I got just for being a part of the interview process. You think they're going to think highly of you three, five, ten years down the road once maybe they've grown and you might want to bring them back along? Yeah, it's memorable. It's different than every other company out there that interviews you and ghosts you or sends you a stock email. Hey, we had a lot of great candidates. Thank you for your thing. You are not the right fit. Yeah. Um, it's surprising. So, so how you, it's surprising to people. Yeah. I mean, it, it also makes sense to me. I mean, I use, I've been using Finn for clients at half day and we did it as our Christmas gift, right? We have clients from around the world. Um, so shipping stuff was tough and trying to find, okay, we had a client in Australia. Like, do we, can we find like, a gift company there? What about the ones in North America and Europe? And, and we started thinking, you know, we get gifts all the time and like, a lot of times I'll get bottles of wine and yeah, I'll probably drink them. Sometimes I may re-gift them. You know, so that you just never know. And it's like, so we're like, well, what if we just gave them a, a, a digital card, a thank you, heartfelt thank you. And Hey, this season we want to give back and donate to a cause of your choosing. And I can tell you every one of our clients loved it. And we're just all like, Rob, Phil, thank you so much for this. This is unique. It's different. It's also for a good cause, which is great to do at the holiday season. We've been doing it ever since. Uh, you know, everyone on this podcast, I donate ten dollars to cause of choosing. Everyone has sit back and it's like, this is so cool. Love that you know we get to do something for the greater good just by entering on your podcast. Yeah, that's right. Right, and like think about that from a bigger corporate level. These companies that have twenty to a hundred employees that want to be engaged, that want to give back, or companies that have. Thousands. So, I mean, I know I'm not a paid spokesperson. I've just been around Finn enough. <laughs> um, but also impact is if you, if you haven't gotten from this episode has always been a big deal for me personally, right? As a millennial, every job I've gone into, everything I've done, I've always kind of thought about it. Um, and then when I became an entrepreneur and really started my own two businesses, 
I realized that I wanted even at the smallest level, whether that's you know five bucks or ten bucks an episode, I can do that because that adds up. If I do that for ten years, like think about that. Maybe I'm not writing one big million dollar check like some people can, but I've got ten years of of putting my money where my mouth is and doing things and having consistent impact because five dollars today, the right time might be more than a million dollars five years too late. And that's how I look at it personally as an entrepreneur and why when I launched the podcast, Finn made sense. But I kind of want to dig into something that you, you brought up about Finn from where it started to where it is now. So in these five years, it's not been easy, right? You came through Startup Boost. Startup Boost is a eight-week pre-accelerator course to help early stage founders develop from MVP to taking it to market. And it was the tokenized kind of model. And that quite didn't work out. So what happened and what were some of those changes that you had gone through, right? And I, and I know this is a scary word for some is product market fit. It wasn't always like employee engagement, right? So let's talk about this journey of what did you have to overcome? So you had a great fucking idea. Your daughters were like, dad, what are you doing about it? Right. Right. And now you start this business with, we you know, with, with, with excitement and energy. And it's kind of like, oh shit, what do we do now? Yeah, you run into things like product market fit, getting customers, marketing. These are things that are tough, and I know that you and I have talked about it. So it's I, I want to share because this is what every entrepreneur runs into when you're at an angel pre-seed stage, early stage, growing. And over five years, you've had some had some walloping. So let's talk about a few of those and and how it's led you to where you are. So what are some of the major challenges in the early product? market fit stage that you had overcome and, and reevaluate after you launched after your 4am, <laughs> you know, sheet that you just showed us? Yeah. So I mean, it, it was actually a bit more existential than uh, than all that. I mean, because uh, Startup Boost, I think was um, about not quite three years ago, but it was October, it was uh, October of 18. Um, and I had a great co founder when we were looking at building a, a blockchain token business. Um, it was wonderful, uh, you know, just a joy to have as a co founder. Um, and, uh, but he, you know, he wasn't, uh, based on his visa application through Australia. Um, it was difficult for him not to have a, a real job, so to speak. And, um, and so when, when Chris had to exit, um, and he thankfully still an advisor and, and a good friend, um, you know, that was existential because now I kind of started down this path. It's very hard to build a business with two founders. It's even harder with a single founder in some ways it's easier, but in a lot of ways it's harder. And, uh, and so that was when I had that moment, um, just about two years ago in the, in the in January of, um, 2019 or so that I was less interested in building something like a just token based, um, company, um, for the sake of building a token based company and doing rewards like a universal rewards and much more interested in building a for a for profit for a good company. And so that's when I incorporated as a public benefit corporation, which is a legal status. Uh, we got certified as a B Corp um, and started down this road, which is, you know, really, really hard of taking concept, turning it into product, taking product to market. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, the the idea that, uh, you know, creating something and they'll come obviously doesn't work. It takes a lot of hard work. And what I recognized much more recently is that if I was systematic about testing channels and market segments and, and, um, and product and services, if I was systematic about um, 
about those things and took it as part of the process, not as, not as, um, darn, we've been working on that for a year and it didn't work. Of course it didn't work. It's like, it's never supposed to work the first time out. Um, it's not supposed to work the second time out. It's not even supposed to work the third time out. You know, I think I'm on my sixth or seventh sort of deliberate, you know, market segment, tweaking the product offering, um, and, and trying different channels. So you get all of those different dimensions to play with. Um, of course it's not going to work. It's impossible to work unless you're doing something that everybody else is doing and you just follow in their footsteps. Um, but a lot of what we're doing is evangelizing this, this idea of using impact to enhance your re relationships, whether those are employees or customers or community. And uh, of course it's not going to work. <laughs> That's a, so if there's one message and one thing I've learned, of course, of course it's not going to work. And so we've been, we've been, I've been, kind of hitting the books and being much more systematic about doing tests and understanding what I'm learning from those tests and tweaking the model. And now, you know, lack of signal is a signal, um, but some signal is much better. And so now that we start to get some hits, you know, we start doubling down in there um, and we start, we start emphasizing um, that market and, and, you know, the market that we found and the, and the product market fit is, is especially at this time, having survived the pandemic, is helping companies, you know, retain and uh, recruit their team and building a great company around it. Um, and that's what's resonating. That's the mark that we're going after. Now we're trying all the different channels to try to hit that. Yeah. You know, I think um, a couple of lessons there is that, <clears throat> you know, starting off, whether you have a founder, a co-founder or not, it makes a big difference depending on how you deviate duties, duties and you know, how you align and who owns what. It's very clear to be very particular about who does what. But when you're a solo founder, everything kind of falls on you and you have to decide what are you going to learn, who you're going to bring in, how you're going to do it. You know, if, so a couple of my businesses, the way I've thought about it, you know, I had a amazing friend um uh, she'll be on the show later casey jones yeah who we're talking about our entrepreneurship journey and she's like hey rob have you ever read this book who not how by dan sullivan and i was like no she's like do it and i read it and you know the the subtitle the formula to achieve bigger goals through accelerating teamwork and you know it and i when i read it it was just it was like the, everything popped into place I don't need to learn how to do everything, bring in the right people around me. And it just reminded me of Jack Welsh and GE when he let all those people go to realign and, and redefine the divisions. And then what people don't know is he brought like 70% of them back. And then he's, but he always said, Hey, look, I hired smarter people to do what I couldn't. Right. My job was to put people in a place to be successful. And, you know, it's really important to find that. And you kind of shared, Hey, I've, I've had to learn how to do this. I've learned how to, build my own team and find the right people and products and services to support me as our customers are doing the same thing, right? To help retain and recruit. And the other key lesson is it's not always going to work, right? We always try to create, you know, any entrepreneurs that are thinking about launching or soon to launch realize that shit's never going to go as planned. You can't be perfect. You can't be perfect until you go out and ex experiment, right? We like have this thing that we have to be perfect. And, I don't care how, who you have in your organization, how smart you are to go through every scenario. When you launch it in the real world, shit's going to go wrong. That's okay. <laughs> it's not about, is it going to go wrong or not? 
it's going to go wrong. It's how do you adapt? How do you overcome? How do you take that and learn, right? Systematic approach. And so you've worked, you've been working through these different, um, different phases. You kind of found this, the systematic approach that really helps companies, especially on the back of the pandemic, retain and recruit. Let's talk about you for a second. Um, you mentioned before the show, um, when we were, when we were kind of pre-prepping for this, that, um, one of the things that's always gotten in your way a little bit, mine as well, is shiny object syndrome, right? So you've been taking this systematic approach, but on the other side, you have shiny object syndrome. So just talk about that a little bit. And how have you, you know, how have you been able to counteract that and, and, and create this systematic approach, even though you're working five steps ahead and you want to try five different things. So how, how are you dealing with that personally as a founder? Cause I'm sure there's plenty of folks out there, myself included. How do you deal with shiny object syndrome, but also staying true to your systematic approach that you've written down pen to paper and built a business around? Yeah. So I think that, uh, I mean, the shiny object SOS is what I call it, right? The shiny object syndrome. Um, I'm guilty of it as I think most um, creative, idea-minded, um, optimistic uh, founders are, uh, and and to me, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of art to to marry the ability to think creatively and be willing to experiment with. I'm never going to know if this this approach is going to work unless I give it my all. And I think I go through cycles, quite honestly, where shiny object syndrome is a good thing, um, mainly when some of the things I thought were going to work didn't. Um, and then I start letting myself kind of be more creative. And then there's cycles where, like I'm in now, it's like team building employee engagement. Like I know it, you know, we're getting the signals there. Um, I have a couple of other side experiments, don't tell my team. But, uh, you know, those are just those are just my own creativity. And, I, and But, you know, I know that, um, or I feel that we're in the right vein and I have to give it, I have to give this the attention, the resources and the time to either prove me right or prove me wrong. Um, and then, so I'm much more deliberate about like what kind of initiatives I'm taking on and, and who I'm talking to in terms of potential partnerships and so on. So this is uh, so now having that, having that focus, team building, employee engagement, you know, building great culture um, if you think about it, you know, in every relationship, there are moments. Um, and those are the moments where we can kind of prove who we are and what our values are. And that's what we're trying to enhance with the companies that we're working with. Um, and so like, I, I know that that's the right approach now. And, I'm, and I have committed that, you know, for 2021, we're going to put everything at it. You know, so back in March and April, you know, that was my commitment that, you know, we're going to put all our resources at this and find things around either service partners or, or otherwise um, that enhance that um, enhance that business um, and then see what signals come back. But we're starting to get those signals. We're on the right track. Love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I go through SOS all the time. And it's been a blessing and a curse at times because sometimes it's like you, you see that it's like, boom, we got to. But I like this idea of that you're, you're, you're doing systematic. And one of the things that I've, I've always offered and done for myself and my team, I shouldn't say always, um, ever since I met Phil DeVecchio and Phil shared this methodology with me that I loved, which is a third, a third, a third. So your job's broken up into a third. A third is what you do, like what you're running to do, your role. One third as the bigger impact of your role, or if you want to make an impact, say in a cross-functional team, right? And then a third is passion, passion projects. 
So two thirds is dedicated to the direct impact of the company with one third of you growing, learning kind of a side project here or something that could benefit the company could not, but it opens up your mind to grow. And ever since I started taking this a third, a third, a third and running it with my company for the last two, three years, my ability to stay focused when needed goes it because two thirds of my job is process testing, doing these things. But that creative third has allowed me to experiment, do other things, drop some things in that really worked well. I've also tried things that just failed absolutely miserably because it worked somewhere else. But it allowed us to allows us as a team and allows me to really develop and grow. And it also helps me counteract, right? Because two thirds of my brain is always on the systematic approach of yeah. the business. But one third allows me to be creative. And as you know, I'm just like you, you know, squirrel, and I'll be down a rabbit <laughs> hole for, you know, two days before I come back to remembering I have a proposal to get out. Well, here's, here's, a, here's a tactical suggestion. I've been doing it my... In- well, I've been doing it since my oldest daughter, Lexi, was born. Um, I book zero meetings on Fridays. Um, and I've been doing it for years and years and years. People say, let's meet Friday. I'm like, no. Because I put Friday aside as that sort of unwind from the operations of, you know, the last four days, the intensity of a million Zoom calls and so on. Um, and I put Friday aside to create the space that's needed to think creatively and recharge and know that you've gotten to that day and and I like I'm most productive on Friday versus any other day. It's not like I don't work. It's that I don't take meetings, and, and it allows me to catch up on a few things, but mainly just kind of create some space to, you know, do that. So that's at least a fifth of uh, allowing myself to go chase squirrels. Uh, um, but tactically, it's a it's a it's been one of the most powerful things I've done in my career, and I've been doing it for decades. I, I love that, and for those out there listening, I don't take no meetings on Fridays. I do. I'm done Friday at one. So after one o'clock on a Friday night, because I do coaching calls Friday morning. So yeah. eight to nine, nine to 10, 10 to 11, 11, 12 are all coaching calls. So I'll do back to back to back to back coaching calls. Because for many of my entrepreneurs that I work with, they just, they're intense all week. And so Friday is the best time. Friday afternoons, they want to talk. We'll talk about their week. We'll talk about the challenges. We'll set some goals for next week. And then they can spend an hour having a glass of wine, putting that into practice and then going into the weekend and kicking off Monday. Yeah. But, you know, Ever since I went work for a company that had summer Fridays and I was done at one, I've always been like, yes, I'm doing Fridays. <laughs> I'm Fridays at one. When I run a business, Fridays at one, I'm done. And there's been times I've done it and haven't, but really intentionally over the last year, I've done it and it makes a big difference. And the other tactical thing I do is Sunday mornings. Whatever reason, I cannot get up. You know, I have 8.30 meeting. Getting out of bed at 7.30 is just a struggle. And I'm an, I'm a morning person. I like getting up out of bed. But during the week, struggle. Weekends, 6.30, no alarm. I am up. I am coffee. Right? I don't care if I went out that far. I am up. Co- I'm making coffee. So I was like, well, I got this time. My, my wife's going to sleep in because she's not a morning person. You know, I can do two, one of two things. I can sit and play video games all morning and, and not do. Or I can use this time that I'm creative. I'm really good in the morning. So I'll make coffee on Sunday mornings from like 7, 7.30 till nine, I will go through, I will remove a few meetings from my week that I, that I'll, that I don't need or no, or if I'm overloaded, I'll catch up on all the emails. I'll set a plan for the week. And I use Sunday mornings and a pot of coffee to prep for Monday. I take off Friday. I've, I've fully kind of removed myself and Sundays. It's like, 
I'm sharp. And then Monday I come in and I feel actually ready to hit the week and I don't feel like a lost puppy um, yeah. on Monday morning. So that's, that's my hack, you know, similar to yours. And I've been doing that for quite a while now and it's been, oh, it's been a game changer and in a way that allows me to be focused throughout the week, which is hard for us to do sometimes when we have shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the macro version of that was, uh, you know, taking, you know, nearly six months off as a research sabbatical, you know, it, it works. I mean, that's where, you know, you know, that's where creativity comes back. Uh, and so that's the macro level, but the, the tactical micro level is to, is for me is, is Friday, no meetings. And, um, and that creates that creativity. Um, that's really so important. Being an entrepreneur is, is so much about creativity. Yeah. It is, and and very much so. And creativity and the fact that it doesn't have to be artistic creativity. It's creativity in how you do the business, creativity and how you want to run the business, creativity to consume content, right? Yeah. Um, people people joke all the time, I have a book for everything. Like every time people talk to me, I'm recommending some book. I'm like, how? I was like, I read 10, I, 10 pages a day, right? Like every morning, 10 pages a day. You get through, most of these books are 150 pages two, three weeks, you're through a book, yeah. 10 pages a day, just commit to it. It literally takes you 15 minutes. And I just consume content all the time. And then how do I leverage and, and use this? So that that's creativity. So I kind of want to, you know, as we flip to the back end, as we've talked about, you know, what it means to find, you know, having an entrepreneurial mindset through building a company, the way you worked up through Firebrand. We talked right. about that critical moment of your life where you went on a six month sabbatical. You looked at everything that was happening and everything you built and everything you wanted to do and realized there is still a whole nother journey of life that awaited you as a full-on entrepreneur running a business and building something with the, the partners that you built Firebrand with, but independent of that in a way that allowed you to be in control. We talked about the impact your daughters had on you and the impact they wanted to create in this world and that kind of, hey, what are you doing, dad, to, to do some good? I was influenced upwards for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which which is I think a great thing. And it's, you know, why employers should look at millennials showed this and Gen Z is even more showing this. We live in a hyper connected world. I mean, this thing, my three year old niece knows how to work it better than I do. Yeah. And, you know, I've had an iPhone since I was uh, I graduated college. I didn't have an iPhone in college. I didn't have Internet on my phone until after college, but not dating myself too much here. But, you know, I've had an iPhone for 20 years, right? Or 13 years, I guess. Um, so what that means is they have so much information and knowledge at their fingertips. YouTube, TikTok, Clubhouse, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, right? Spotify has a green room to start talking and kind of competing with, Right. Uh, Microsoft is taking on Slack and they're going to create more conversations that happen in Microsoft teams within organizations. Right. And what this means is that we're fragmented, but we're also able to find so much information quickly, which means that we see what's happening faster around the world, which means we want to make an impact faster. We want others to make impact faster. Right. So we see this and happening. Quite honestly, you, you, we have to because, I mean, the, the pace at which change is coming, um, the pace at which these challenges are um, in scope are increasing um, is huge. You know, that's 
that was that was my moment when I was in my Jeep writing like this, you know, the world that we're in now is not the world that I grew up in. You know, the climate, political, um, societal, all of these issues are um, are greater than, you know, far greater than when I was and, and will be increasing in amplitude. Um, and so we have to be able to we have to be able to react and learn and and do our part faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you said we can't slow down, you know, the pace at which change is coming. And then you, you throw a pandemic on top of everything. And the way that that changed the way everybody looks at things, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I wish it could go back to normal. And, you know, like it was, it's like, it never will. It's a new different. And that's a good thing. And it's an okay things. And yes, we're returning to normal going out these things, but it's a new different. And the faster that we move to understanding what these changes are and just how do we adapt? I'm not saying that everyone has to change everything about themselves, right? Because of which the speed of the world, it's, it's what changes are happening? How do you adapt to those? And what impact are you making to be a part of that counteract, counterbalance these speeds? And so this is what, you know, for entrepreneurs out there listening and those that are entrepreneurial minded or entrepreneurs at big companies, change happens fast. Are you paying attention? Are you able to adapt, make things happen? And as you're building teams, building companies, what is the impact you're making? How are you involved in that? What is the thing that, what are the things that you're doing not only to build a great company and benefit the company and your bottom line, but also how, what are you doing to, to create bigger communities? Cause it goes hand in hand when you support communities and give back and create opportunity, opportunity comes back to you, right? World of karma. Um, it's, it's, it's real. Karma is real. <laughs> it, it is. So, so the kind of the final piece I really want to talk about is what are what is the goal for Finn the rest of 2021 to make a big impact? What are you doing right now? So you're working with with companies, right? Medium-sized organizations, recruitment, retaining, employee engagement. But what is the impact that Finn, you know, wants to make like your mission? Like I want to get into this. Like what is the real impact and the mission of Finn? And what does that mean for the rest of 2021? Well, I mean, I mean, from a mission standpoint, we have a very clear metric that we want to hit, and that's $100 million in social impact. Uh, now, remember, we're deriving business value for that. So it's not just philanthropy in the, in the traditional sense. So $100 million is the number we want to get to. When I get to 100, the number is going to be a billion. But let's, let's focus on 100 million. I don't have a specific time frame because I think it's unrealistic to you know, until I have more data of understanding what our pace could be. Um, so it's kind of arbitrary to put a time frame on that. So I've given myself that, that sort of flexibility. Um, and so everything comes back to uh, sort of exponentially increasing the amount of impact we have in each year. We measure that um, in financial terms, uh, but also where we can. We measure it in meals delivered, um, you know, dogs rescued, uh, you know, trees planted, Tons of plastic saved, you know. Yet wells built um, that are still running today, um, and and so we have ways of where we can measure those things. We measure them in in practical, uh, practical ways, and we communicate that every day um, in those in those terms. Um, the financial, uh, the amount of donations that we've been able to generate, uh, and I really consider like generating these dollars because they're very typically not just philanthropic dollars. They're typically um, HR and, and marketing dollars. 
Um, and so we're generating, we're converting that from some other form of engagement to, uh, you know, to financial support for nonprofits. Um, and so that's how we measure it. So by the end of the year, um, you know, we have specific metrics around how much we want to generate in, uh, in uh, donations. Love that. You know, and, and, and um, for somebody having used this platform for a long time, there's some really cool, and the reason why I bring up the, the clean water is uh, Saha Global is one of my favorite um, ones that I support through the platform. Global organization, yeah. Yeah, and is is that the one that your daughter went to work with? That's right? the one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so I've had, I mean, having heard this story multiple times, I've always had this like connection to it. I also really love the Trevor Project. Um, it's a, it's a great one supporting um, um, crisis intervention, crisis intermission, intervention, and suicide prevention for um, the uh, LGBTQ community, uh, which I think is a great one. And I think that is one that um, we get into a lot, and then. I also do, you know. Yeah, and NBC to- just yeah, NBC just aired a story about Finn and and Trevor Project around mm-hmm. that that mission. Yeah, and so you know, also the last one I was going to say that I really like like because I'm a big fan of of, of whales and um, is is the Lonely Whale um, initiative, uh, and so these are all ones that you know I put out to my community, um, including things like Save the uh, Great South Bay. Um, which I think also uh, NBC did a thing on. So I want to yeah, use NBC this did on the oyster on the oyster restoration project. Yeah. In the back. So let's talk about this real quick. So one of the cool things that Finn just did. This will be airing uh, here in a, in a month or so. So you know we're shooting at the in the middle of July, but in June Finn had an incredible opportunity to partner with NBC. So why don't you just talk to Bear Nation quickly about uh, what that partnership was all about? Yeah, so um, I'll I'll pitch NBC's new channel. It's called LX.com. It's it's run by, hosted by um, content derived for Gen Z millennials, um, and so NBC is putting a lot of uh, a lot of resources behind this new channel. It's streaming. It's also on it's on cable, but it's streaming obviously um, online. LX.com. So we they do a piece called Purpose Over Profit. Uh, and they and they talk about companies that are stakeholder focused and and do good work as part of their mission. Uh, and so I reached out to NBC to sponsor Purpose Over Profit, and I got five minutes into a conversation with them, and they were like, "We want to do stories about Finn." And so that evolved into a new series of stories. Uh, we do two minute stories called "Good Company with Finn," where we tell a story of companies that are doing good work, um, and then we always highlight. Uh, a nonprofit alongside it. So we did Abrams Abrams Books in New York City, supporting the Trevor Project and other organizations like it. Uh, we did Lessing's Hospitality Group, a big restaurant group here in Long Island, um, supporting Save the Great South Bay, a local cause super important to us locally here, and the Oyster Project, where um, you know patrons of the restaurants could could choose causes, and the Oyster Restoration Project was one of those. So we created this we created this partnership with NBC where we're turning out these. Um, these stories um, about good companies uh, and what they're doing and why, uh, and and the nonprofits that are that are benefiting from that. And so we're continuing that that partnership. Um, so you might see it on the Today Show every once in a while. You'll see it on LX often, um, especially in the evening news, which is wonderful. Um, it'll be a lead-in or a follow-on to Purpose Over Profit. So it's good uh, good company with Finn. Love it. Well, for those out there. If you haven't heard of LX before, NBCLX, LX.com, 
especially when you think of millennials and Gen Z and some really cool things they've got going on. Take a look and also you'll happily see Finn in there. <laughs> um, and another thing I wanted to bring up, just because this is something that my wife and I care about is we like to go hiking around here. And Finn partnered recently with Barnaby Black American Wilderness Products to place these little cards. Those that are listening can't see, but those that are watching yeah. um, on different trails for Earth Day, you, you, you put these up and they're biodegradable. So they're not going to litter everything. You scan and you can plant a tree. Um, my wife and I like to go hiking up and around um, upstate New York. So I grabbed a few of these to, to be <laughs> passing out as well. Uh, but another really cool initiative, right? It's just simple things that Finn does and that we can do to give back. And so, uh, you know, one of the reasons that this episode meant a lot and wanted to get Finn on to talk is, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, there's a lot you can learn from Doug's journey and that whatever stage of life you're at, you could be entrepreneurial and you can start a business and you have an idea and a passion and you go and build and understand that it's going to take some time to, to find the right fit. But the other side of that is impact. What impact are we creating? Right. And one of the things that I talk about is legacy and that I want to help 10 entrepreneurs become million dollar AR businesses, because that way they can hire 10 to 15 people and that they impact 10 others to become entrepreneurs that do a million dollar AR business. And when that spreads and more does that, that creates impact. And that's all around the globe in different communities and different things that it opens up opportunity. And that's a legacy I could be super proud of. And so, you know, partnering with Finn and hearing Doug's passion for impact and what they're doing and that they put passion into practice with amazing companies. You know, what is your superpower? What do you think Doug's superpower is right now? I care. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, you know, I'm a person that cares. Um, I care about, uh, I care about um, the future my daughters have and their and their kids have. I care about building Finn the right way. Um, I care about people like Rob that are out there every day um, making it happen. And uh, of course, Phil as well, which is where Hap Day came from, right? Making it happen. Um, I care about these communities. Um, and I think that allows me to be, uh, I think that allows me to be the right person to build Finn at this time. And um, that's my superpower. I love it. I love that, you know, caring matters, right? It, when you think about entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial mindset, your superpower is what makes you unique. It doesn't have to be, you know, I, you know, I do these things better on this one. It's just like, I care, I care enough to be better. And that that passion and drive is going to drive me to, to my superpower of being able to build through and weather all the storms that come, right? Because being an entrepreneur, highest of highs, lowest of lows, and yeah, everything right. in between. <laughs> everything in between. Um, what is uh, one book, resource, show, piece of content that the, the listeners of Bear Nation should, uh, should add to their list? Well, I think, uh, I mean, if, if there's a book that I would recommend, especially in this context, it's called The Go-Giver. Um, and it's all about the power of leading with giving from a business perspective, not just a personal perspective, from a business perspective, leading with giving. And Rob and Phil, you know, you guys know this inherently, um, but leading with giving actually leads to great things. And super easy book to read. The message is straightforward, um, but it just kind of drives home like, why that is important and why that works, um, especially in uh, in the business environment that we live in today and the world we live in today. 
I love it. It's one of the books that I've read. I've actually talked about some of the other there's so there's the go giver, there's go giver sub more, there's go giver leadership, there's a whole series on it. Right. I've talked about and showed about. Um, I think every entrepreneur should should read it. And you know, it's something that um, you know, Doug's talking about my business partner Phil, who I run Happy Day Group with. Um, it's always been something when we built that business that we cared about. And, and it was a book that is something I read a long time ago that has always stuck with me in my selling career, but it's something that Phil and I rallied around in 2018 when we started Happy Day Group 2018-2019. When we started Happy Day Group and we were building it into into what it is today and um, same things that I used to build rise up in the bare necessities into what it is today. So love that. What um what advice would you give to anyone that is an entrepreneur minded wanna be entrepreneur, especially when you're thinking of Gen Z or millennials? What advice would you give them? Um, as an from an entrepreneur to a future entrepreneur, I think I think that um, uncertainty is a way of life. Embracing uncertainty is simply a way of life. I think I think the change is taking place in the world now. We talk about that amplification. You know, these challenges are amplifying. Businesses are moving faster. Um, you know, so embracing uncertainty and, and the best way to to uh, I I believe build a business is just freaking keep on going. Like, just don't give up. And I know that's contrary to a lot of advice where people say fail fast, fail early. Um, I think a lot of businesses are lost because people fail too soon. Um, and, the, and, and to do that, um, to be able to live in an uncertain time when you're building your business um, and, uh, and to keep going when it feels really painful is to keep a small footprint. Keep your expenses down. Keep your team small until you know where you're going. I like to you know think of it as, uh, we keep a small footprint. When we see a little bit of fire, we pour some gas on it. Uh, we don't pour a gas a bunch all over the place hoping that we're going to get some big flame. We just try to keep kindle these fires, keep a small footprint, um, and don't give up. Just keep going. I love that. And it's it's so important, right? Never give up. It's it's the mentality that things are never going to go as planned when you start a business. And for some, it does, right? There's you know There's certain companies out there. You hear them on their podcast, the the one shining moment, everything kind of just clicks. It works. It's the right product, the right time. And great for them. But that's not that's not what entrepreneurship really looks like for most entrepreneurs. And so you need to and go. Most of those stories, they're like five, six, seven years in. So yeah. Exactly. I mean it's after, you know, it's after they went through all these things. They're not gonna tell you because they want you to think it's it was this like defining moment. Um, because it sounds better in a story. Uh, which is what why we wanted to bring out the real stories here in the bare necessities. Um, lasting message. What is, what is the lasting message you want to give the listeners, uh, today? Yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but you know, lead with giving. I think if you lead with giving, um, uh, and have a sort of sense of curiosity rather than concern, uh, you know, that is what will help you build a business and, and even a life that, um, that is fulfilling, uh, and it has nothing to do with material wealth, just, always think about leading with giving and curiosity. Um, and that, and that is something that's I've developed, um, especially since, you know, I've, I've started Finn. Uh, I sort of consciously developed that and, um, I can, I can guarantee you it works. I love that lead with giving for those out there. Giving means so many different things, but when you give first again, go giver book, yeah. when you give first comes back, everything comes back. Stop being a taker. Stop thinking in terms of taking, Think in terms of giving and watch the magic happen. Uh, I can attest to that. It's it's something that that I can tell you works. 
uh, from having been, and for those who have heard my story, I used to be a taker back in the day when I was first in networking, I would take and it, it worked out really well, but then my network kind of shot itself in the foot because it wasn't curated. It wasn't done with care, care and compassion. And when you started switching, when I started switching that around and being a giver, my network changed, opportunity happened, growth happened, and it's turned into some amazing things. So um, lead with giving and curiosity is a great lasting message. Doug, thank you so much for, for being on today, for sharing so many different things from your journey and your struggles as an entrepreneur to the impact of the business. I know we talked about that a lot. I kind of got a little diatribe passion about it, but um, <laughs> I think it's a really big thing that um, we need to look at as entrepreneurs and those that are looking to create businesses and take the next level of leadership forward is how, how we're thinking about the impact we make, both with our people, businesses, and growth. So thank you for being a part of, of the show today, Doug. I really appreciate just all the insights. Yeah, thank you, Robin. And and as always, uh, thank you for all the work you do in, in building this community, Bear Nation, and uh, you know telling the stories that will help um, all of us uh, grow and be better. Until next episode, Bear Nation, thank you all and stay well. Bear Nation, thanks for listening to the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review.